Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, I'm going to give you the ultimate guide to effectively bulking. So this is a lean bulk guide because the idea is I want to teach you exactly what to do, why to do it, how to do it, when to do it for bulking, for gaining muscle, gaining mass without putting on excess body fat, at least not so much body fat that you don't like the way you look or you feel insecure. And I'm going to touch on that in this podcast as well. Um, We're going to cover quite a bit today. So uh, the bulk being how to effectively bulk, but why are you bulking? How much do you plan to gain and should plan to gain? How big of a surplus you should be in? What kind of foods you should be eating? Nutrient timing, does it even matter in a bulk? What supplements you should be taking? How you should be focusing on your training? And if you should be doing any cardio? I'm also going to shed light on some things that I am personally doing. And I'm going to use this time to share my personal bulking journey that I am currently in. Um, and kind of go through these different sections and in, in, in questions, if you will, of my own experience and of my own time doing this so that you can effectively do it as well. Before we get into the podcast, I have two quick announcements as always. The first one is to shout out the Taylor Trainer. This podcast is brought to you by our own training membership platform. And this is a place where individuals like yourself can join a culture and a community so they're not alone in their journey to progressing in the gym. But it is also a place where you can get effective done-for-you programming so you don't have confusion or wonder on what to do in the gym and how you should be progressing in the gym. This program is less than $2 a day. So yes, it's less than a cup of coffee a day. And what is it gonna, what's it going to give you is a periodized approach to training, no matter what your goal is, how many days you can train in the gym, and what tools you have access to in the gym. So make sure if you want training done for you so you don't have to worry about it anymore, you don't have to guess if you are making progress or not because it's guaranteed to happen, click the link in the description or head to tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash tailored-trainer. And the last thing I will say, guys, if you enjoy this podcast, please do me a huge favor. Take a screenshot, share it on your story, tag myself at cody.boomboom. I want to see who is listening to this podcast. I want to thank you for listening to it, and then I want to share it on my story. Without any further ado, let's get on to the ultimate guide to effectively bulking. All right, so the reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I had somebody reach out and say like, hey, like you should do a podcast sharing your journey I'm bulking. Like, what are you doing to bulk? What are you doing to gain as much muscle as possible? How are you going about it? So on and so forth. Um, so that's kind of how I'm going to approach it. We have a bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about today, but I'm effectively going to just just discuss my process, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, how I'm doing it. Um, and I and I will give a big shout out to Eric Trexler. It's my coach. Obviously, I have a coach in this. Um, the cool thing was is he wasn't changing a ton of what I was doing, but more so just helping me with the adjustments in in making sure that I'm accountable um, and telling me exactly when to ramp up, when to cool down, when to deload, so on and so forth. Um, because everybody needs a coach. I think that's the most important thing with this is, especially in a period of time where you are bulking or you're trying to gain and you want to do it the right way, 
Um, especially if you have any worry or fear of gaining fat. So if you have any insecurity around having too much body fat in your body whatsoever, it's even more important to have a coach because it's very difficult to effectively bulk without gaining any body fat. But more importantly, it's hard to stay confident and continue pursuing that goal if you don't have a coach talking you off the ledge and showing you that you're not really gaining that much fat. You're doing okay. We're on the right track. This isn't pointless. Just trust me with the process, giving you a timeline, so on and so forth. Um, We have a lot of people that we are taking through gaining phases right now, actually, just given the time of year. And I think the state of the industry is is shining light on how important that um, is actually to long-term results and periodization. You can't just cut all the time. Um, you need times and phases where you're maintaining and gaining. And I think that's coming, becoming more and more prevalent. So we even have a lot of women doing it with us, which is so really cool for me um, as a coach who really prides himself in a periodized approach and a longevity-based approach where people can actually get sustainable results and phase things from, from time to time to time to make sure that you're going through the right phases and you're not hurting yourself in the process, but ultimately getting the best results possible. Um, so the first thing we have to cover today is like, why are you bulking? So for, for me, why I'm bulking is, so there's two ways to approach this. Why should anybody bulk and then why am I bulking? Why anybody should bulk is because everybody needs a period of time where they are eating at least at maintenance, if not in a slight surplus because it's going to fuel your body. It's going to fuel your hormones. It's going to fuel your nervous system. It's going to fuel your training. You're going to be able to build a lot of strength in that period of time. And the more strength you build in that period of time, the more that strength is going to carry over and help future fat loss maintenance in maintenance phases and fat loss phases and really just sustaining the result period because you need strength in order to train to sustain the results you are achieving. So it's really, really important because you are going to fuel your body for better health, physiology, hormonal balance, and performance in the gym. But ultimately, you're also going to lay down muscle mass. And I think this is really, really important for people to hear because most people have an image in their head when they think of getting cut or getting lean or doing a fat loss phase. And oftentimes, that image in their head actually is a physique with a lot of of muscle on it. They just don't realize it. They're so attached to losing weight in the number on the scale that they forget that getting quote unquote lean is different than getting skinny. Getting skinny is typically, and some people still don't, and I even have clients who are going to listen to this and laugh at me and shake their head because we have these conversations all the time. But I think skinny is, and I personally don't like the word skinny because I think it's um, it, it's disempowering. I, I think being lean is very empowering. Being lean is athletic. Being lean is dense. Uh, being lean is for some women being maybe being thinner because they want to lose weight, so on and so forth, and that's okay. But I think being skinny is is uh, skin and bones. Like being lean means you have some density, you have some muscle, you have some muscle tissue, and you're healthy, you're vibrant, you're energetic, and you can feel that and see that. And I think if you spend time building muscle, you're going to achieve that. And as a man, it's the same exact thing. If you want shoulders and traps that pop out of a shirt, if you want uh, arms that hug or your sleeves that hug your arms really tight, if you want your chest to pop, prop up the logo on your shirt better, if you want everything to fit better, if you want to look with a better posture and you want to look like a, like a warrior for better, for lack of better terms, you need muscle. Like I see a lot of guys that do the same thing. They lose a ton of weight. I did this. I lost a ton of weight and I got skinny fat. I got to a point where I was like, man, this is not what I thought it would look like. Um, so not only is, is building muscle going to help your health, longevity, bone, tendon, ligament strength, performance in the gym, which is going to carry over to other things and your hormonal physiology balance and health. It's ultimately going to build the physique that you actually have in mind. And the problem with most people is that they go into a cut, assuming they're going to get there. 
The problem with being in a cut is that you're in a deficit. And if you're in a deficit, unless you're brand new to all this stuff, you're not going to gain any muscle in a deficit. It's very, very rare. You need to be at maintenance or in a surplus to build muscle or to recomp, burn fat, build muscle. So you need these periods of time of building muscle to improve your health, improve your metabolism, and build muscle tissue so that when you do come back to a cut, you have more muscle on your frame and you look better when you get to the end of the cut. Why I'm bulking is all of the above, everything I just discussed, but also because I am 27 years old. I've been training for almost a decade. Um, be 28 this year. I'm, I'm still very young, but I'm getting close to my genetic potential, I believe, as a natural lifter. And so I want to take this time to maximize it while, I, while I'm as young as I am. Um, you know, if I wait and I keep ignoring this or, or not focusing on this for, and I'll be honest, for the last year, I've been so uh, deep into the business and family and, and my daughter being born, all these things that I've, I've really neglected. I mean, she just turned two last week, fucking insane. And I would say for two years, honestly, I, I definitely put my training not on the back burner because I've always lived this, but I haven't built any muscle. I'm, I'm the same weight I've been. I haven't had any like huge strides in my physique because I've had my focus elsewhere, rightfully so. But now's a period of time where I'm going to use more time to focus on my health, focus on my training, focus on building muscle so that I can maximize my genetic potential before I get to a point where it's harder and harder. Because we're not going to sugarcoat this. As we age, it does get more difficult um, from two perspectives. As your training age develops, it gets more difficult because the longer you train, the harder it is to put on muscle, like as in longer as in years. Um, and also the chronological age of you, the biological age, how old you are, it will, like as we age, our metabolism lowers, our testosterone lowers, um, our muscle protein synthesis capability lowers. So it, it's not great. And I've seen plenty of people at 40 plus years old working with me who have built muscles. So it's not to say it's impossible. There's this like thing where a lot of people think like after 40, you can't build muscle. It's not true. I see it plenty of times. But for individuals who have been training for a decade, it becomes really difficult. And why not maximize the capability you have at a younger age? So that's that's my idea. It's like we're all getting older. So maximize it now before it gets later and later and more more difficult. There's just no reason to. So for me, I'm just doing it because of that. I'm committing a full year to just trying to build as much muscle as possible. Um, and then I'm going to go through another cut and I'm going to be hopefully five plus pounds bigger than I was in my last cut. How much do you plan to gain? So this is where I think having a coach comes into play. And these are all questions that I was asked uh, kind of about this topic from the listener and from Travis, uh, who's not here with me right now just because of what's going on um, in the world. We're, we're quarantining ourselves. But um, how much do you plan to gain was one of the questions. And I think this is what having a coach helps so much because Eric threw out some numbers that I was like, uh, what? That's big. <laughs> like Because in my mind, you know, I, I – the heaviest I've been in a long time, this is the heaviest I've been in a long time, and I'm sitting at 174. Some days I hit like 174.5, and it's like a slow pro process of gaining, but um, which is the better process uh, for lean gaining. But I can't really, I couldn't picture myself getting over like 176 ever. Um, and he threw out the 185 number, and I was like, whoa, dude, that's big. But I got to trust him, and I got to know that like, if I really do focus on training, I, I eat properly, I time my nutrients properly, I'm getting seven-plus hours of sleep, I'm doing all the things necessary, I can build quite a bit of muscle in the next year. So getting up to 185 pounds is probably going to be the goal. I'm only 5'9". Um, so staying lean at 185 would be huge. Um, when I cut hard for a photo shoot like i'm like 163 
So being 185 would be a big dude, which I'm, which I'm excited about. So my plan is to gain about that much. Now, how much should you gain? The range is really hard to say. I think this is where we can't really determine that because everybody's different. And you can, you can do some tests online that show like uh, natural uh, muscle potential and stuff like that. And like you can measure your wrists and ankles and do things like that and determine how much muscle you can put on your frame naturally. Are they 100% accurate? I'm not sure. I'd recommend checking out a blog that uh, was just written on Stronger by Science by Greg Knuckles. And it's like part one to that whole FF, uh, fat-free mass index uh, idea, like predictor. Uh, fat-free mass index is basically that just that. How much muscle can you put on your frame naturally? Um, and it shows you how to measure your genetic potential so you can get a good idea of where your gaining should be. But I often think that people people underestimate. For guys, I mean, people underestimate you can have an easily have a 20-pound swing from cut to bulk. Um, and that's a lot of weight. But, like, I mean, think about me. I, I do a photo shoot at 163. I'm already 11 pounds heavier than that right now. And I'm planning on gaining another 10 to 11 pounds. Um bodybuilders fluctuate 20 to 30 pounds between in-season and off-season and they get shredded. So let's, let's cut off five to 10 pounds from that. But still point being is if you want to create a muscular physique and look lean, you actually do need to push the limits of that and allow yourself to gain some weight. Now with women, you can easily cut that in half because women aren't going to gain as much muscle as fast. Um, and for some women, it's more difficult to lose fat than men just from a hormonal perspective. So it might be better to cut that in half. Like maybe you're saying five to 10 pounds um, fluctuation range of like trying to gain. Uh, we put Caroline through a gaining phase and she gained 11 pounds and it was a really productive gaining phase. She built a lot of muscle. It helped set her up for her physique that she later won her pro card in a bikini competition um, at the Mr. Olympia in South America. So it, it was definitely worthwhile. Um, and you can see her physique now. She looks great. She has a, a lean physique with a lot of muscle, uh, but she doesn't look masculine. It looks like she's a female and she's a natural lifter. And it's, it's really, really cool to see that. And she really committed and it was hard for her. Don't get me wrong. It was hard for her to gain 11 pounds, but she stayed lean enough because we did it the right way, uh, using the strategies I'm going to talk about today. So I think the, the fluctuation of how much you should plan to gain, there's two things here is like, number one for men, there's easily a 10 to 20 pound swing that you can gain weight and then cut. But you got to make sure that if you're going to gain size, you have to get lean first. So I think that most guys should cut fat and try to recomp a little bit if they're brand new to this and they should get to around anywhere between eight to 13% body fat. So you're pretty lean. You can see your abs. And at that point you should give, give your, give some effort into a bulk. Um, and during that bulk, you can gain 10 to 20 pounds over the course of six to 12 months. Um, and that's, and then you can just divide that by the, the weeks to make sure that you get a good rate of gain, because that's the next question is like, what should the rate of gain be? And it really depends. You know, I've talked about this. There's a, the female muscle growth podcast I did was really powerful. So women, if you're listening to this, go check that out. We wrote a blog on it too, but I think that, you know, you could do 1% per, some people say 1% per month. Some people say 1% per week. So it, it really depends. I think 0.25 to 1% per week is usually the range. And that's a big range, but you could gain a quarter of a pound in a week or none in a week, but then the next week gain half a pound, right? Or you gain a quarter pound each week and you gain a pound at the end of the month and that's pure muscle. Um, but you could also argue that going at that pace is so damn slow that it's demotivating, it takes too long, and you're not maximizing the capability you have to put on muscle. So it might be more advantageous to double or triple that, gain two or three pounds per month, um, allow a little bit of fat accumulation to come about, maybe one third of the weight is fat, and then you cut the fat off and you just maintain muscle mass uh, during the mini cut when you're cutting that fat. And that works very effectively. There's a lot of people that use that strategy um, 
today's Wednesday when I'm recording this. I'm getting ready to do a podcast with Mike Israel tomorrow, and he's really big on mini cuts, and, and they work very effectively. So the cutting and bulking thing and going back and forth over time, it is an effective strategy. Um, but usually I always recommend anywhere between 0.25 to 1% of body weight per week because that is going to ultimately – it's going to fluctuate person to person. Um, and women are typically on the lower end of the scale. Men can be on the higher end of the scale. And that's that's effective, right? That means we're actually in a surplus and we're actually gaining muscle tissue because you need to be in a surplus. You need to be gaining weight if you want to build muscle. Um, how big is that surplus is the next question that we have to cover. I think that this depends on the person too. You could do uh, anywhere between a 5 to 20% increase uh, in going into a surplus. I think anything above 20% is where you start getting into like a quote unquote dirty bulk and you start just gaining too much fat in the process. But the reason it's five to 20% um, of a surplus is because maintenance is a range. So let's say somebody comes to me and they're eating 2,500 calories and they want to go into a surplus and we calculate, um, I'm going to get my math out because I'm horrible at math. Uh, 20% of that is 500 calories, right? Uh, but 5% of that is 125 calories, big range. But let's just say that their their maintenance fluctuates uh, 250 calories each way, which means that their maintenance is really 2,250 all the way up to 2,750. That means that we would want to err on the side of 20% because if we do that, we're actually only in a 10% surplus, right? Because if his maintenance is anywhere between 2,250 to 2,750, that means going to 3,000 is really only a 250-calorie surplus, even though he's been consistently eating 2,500 and he considers 2,500 as maintenance. We have to remember that the metabolism isn't linear. It's not a static thing. It's constantly fluctuating based on our need, our sleep, our stress levels, our activity, our muscle, um, what we're eating, thermic effect food, so many different factors. And because of that, there's this huge swing in range, and it's it's more of a, of a, a broad range of where your maintenance is. It's, it's a fluctuating number. Um, it's a moving target. So it's not a set number. So because of that, you can't just jump into a small surplus and expect the game because a lot of times what we'll do is we'll add 5%, nothing happens, add 5%, nothing happens, add 5%, nothing happens, add 5%, finally seeing some gains. And during a cut, I don't recommend that because if we do it in the reverse, what's happening is every time we just bump it down a little bit into a deficit, we're consistently going further into a deficit, but we're still not far enough into a deficit to cause significant weight loss. So that could be three, four weeks in a slight deficit, which is physiologically stressful on your body, but you're not getting anything out of it. Um, whereas in a bulk, like we're talking about today, I'm okay with it because it's almost an insurance policy to make sure that you're not gaining any fat. Because if you're slowly, slowly increasing until you start noticing the scale jump, if it takes you four or five weeks to start seeing the scale jump, but you did it slowly so you know you're not gaining any fat, and during that time you're eating enough because you're at least at maintenance um, that your performance is improving so you could potentially build a little bit of muscle and strength while at maintenance, I think it's a win and it's, it's just a safer bet. Um, but, but in general, I think we have this 5 to 20% uh, caloric surplus range where you should be at. You can start at 5% and inch your way up, but usually about 20% is a good, uh, a good spot to end up at and that you can see consistent gains um, across, the, across the weeks. What kind of foods are you eating? I don't think much changes here. The only thing I would say is when you go into a surplus, I think it becomes more and more important to 
do two things specifically. Number one, to choose foods that digest very well. So when we're eating a lot of carbohydrates and protein and fat, like any calories in general, um, it can be a stress on the gut. It can be harder on your body to digest because we're just consuming more food. So I think it's really important to choose foods that digest very well for you and just repeat those. Uh, when you repeat those, you kind of get into a rhyme, uh, into a rhythm. You get into a flow and you can repeat meals. You can hit your macros. You know you're on point. You never have to worry about uh, being inaccurate or measuring things perfectly because you know what you're doing. You're doing it every day. So I think having a routine is very, very powerful. I think having foods that digest very well is very, very, very powerful. That's why I like the vertical diet uh, approach or a low fad mop. Uh, fad, <laughs> FODMAP, FADMOP. Um, I like the the low uh, FODMAP diet during people who are bulk with people who are bulking because it's all really easily digestible foods, uh, low gas foods. So if you can fill your diet up with white rice, uh, lean meats and fish, egg whites, uh, Greek yogurt, um, uh, low residue and low uh, gas veggies like. Uh, asparagus and asparagus is off and on. It's not a low fat amount of food, I don't believe, but some people do really, I do really well with asparagus. Most people digest it really well. It's really light. Um, bell peppers are great. Mushrooms are great. Spinach and kale are great. Like really things that just digest really well rather than eating a ton of broccoli or a ton of beans and a ton of uh, cauliflower and things that are just bulky and, uh, and voluminous like that. Um, eating good fruits, uh, mainly berries, uh, eating fats that are easy to digest, which is typically monounsaturated fats, eating majority of your diet from monounsaturated fats, nut butters, olive oil, avocado, nuts, things like that. Um, really, really important. But in general, it's just, it, we're just aiming for foods that digest really well for carbohydrates. It's typically going to be sweet potatoes, white rice, and for most people oats, but some people don't tolerate grains well. Um, so white rice in uh, sweet potato is basically your bread and butter, um, quite literally, uh, without the butter. But that's, that's kind of the bulk of your diet when it comes to carbohydrates because they're really easy to digest and they're really easy to assimilate into muscle glycogen and fuel performance. Um, but in general, I think the foods you eat, um, number one, it should be something that you can repeat on a daily basis uh, so that you can get into a routine. Number two, it should be foods that are low gas, easy to digest, that you can consume a lot of because you're in a surplus and not worry about digestive stress or feeling lethargic in the gym instead of feeling uh, energized and, and performing well like you're supposed to from this food. Um, and then three, make sure you still have some flexibility in there. I know for me, when I go into a cut, I get pretty serious and that does play a role on Shannon. It does take an effect on Shannon um, because I'm more specific about how much things weigh. I'm more specific about what ingredients we're using. I'm more specific about how often we're eating out or, or what I'm what we're cooking at home. And she loves to cook, so she likes to get creative. But right now is a good time for me to bulk and save more calories for dinner so that she can have more fun in the kitchen and she can cook things that she wants to cook. So when she sends me a recipe and she says, what do you think about this? And it's uh, Korean grass-fed beef, which the beef is high fat. There's some some sugars in the, the sauces for the Korean style sauce, so on and so forth, I can say, yeah, no worries because I can see the recipe. I can add it in my fitness pal and then I can just adjust breakfast and lunch to make sure I have enough calories for night. Um, I'm staying within my macros. I'm still hitting off all my checklist of good digesting food, high quality nutrients, getting my vitamins, minerals, like my micronutrients, so on and so forth. And as long as I do that, some flexibility in some quote unquote unhealthy food or not so clean food or high sugar food or anything like that isn't going to cause uh, a ton of negative feedback on my results. It's actually going to prolong my ability to adhere to it because I don't feel like I'm dieting. You shouldn't feel like you're dieting when you're on a bulk. Should you be tracking macros? 
probably because most people don't eat enough when they're on a bulk and or they're not eating enough of the right foods. So making sure that you're having a high carb, high fat, I'm sorry, high carb, high protein, low fat diet on a bulk, uh, moderately low fat is probably smart and you need to track macros in order to do that. However, you shouldn't feel like you're suffering in a diet. Save that for when you cut. There are periods of times where you're going to be like, fuck, I don't feel like cutting. I don't feel like dieting. I don't feel like doing cardio. But that's part of the journey and it builds self-discipline and grit and it leads to the ultimate physique that you're after. But have the flexibility during a bulk that allows you to enjoy the process. Um, next is macros. What are my macros like? So right now my macros are much higher in – carbs and protein. Let me, I'm actually going to pull up my percentages. I don't do ratios. I do grams. So I, I don't believe in per, percentages. I think like, for example, a good percentage for, um, uh, fats is 20% of total calories. However, it could be 18 or 21 or even 15. If you're in a huge surplus and 15% of your total calories going to fat is still more than enough to support hormones because you're in a surplus you're good. I think the percentages play a bigger role with fat um, than the other macros. And I think they play a bigger role with fat even uh, to extend that to in, in a deficit versus a surplus. Um, but right now I have about 50% carbs, uh, 20% fat and about 33, this has 33%. Um, I'm, I'm estimating. So it's about uh, 20, 30, 50. So 50% carbs, 30% protein, 20% fat. Um, my macros are set at 185 protein, um, which fluctuates between 185 to 200. So I'm, I'm, I'm generally staying at about 1.1 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight in protein. And uh, I'm at 320 grams of carbs. Um, we're milking out as much as we can at this. I'm in a very slight surplus, but I had some like rapid gains. I gained three pounds in the first month um, because I had my weight shot up because I haven't dialed in this much for gaining in a long time. So the fact that I'm progressing, I'm doing high volume, I'm very consistent. I think we saw an early spike in weight. So we're just kind of milking as many gains as we can at this lower caloric intake because I'm staying pretty lean while doing it. Uh, but I know we're going to bump carbs up and then my fats are at 55. So pretty low for fats. But if you do the the math, I mean, my body weight uh, times 0.35 uh, is 60 grams of fat. So I'm just below like what I typically say is the minimum amount of fat for people. Um, but that's also because I've added, uh, three or four pounds <laughs> since like, if you did that calculation when I'm at my leanest, it's, it's much less than that. So I think 55 is a good amount for me. And we have to remember too, that hormones are generally built, uh, in, in th are going to generally thrive off of stress in your lifestyle and calories. So yes, fats are the most important macronutrient when it comes to thriving and in, in, in generating better hormonal balance. However, if you're in a calorie deficit, it doesn't matter how many, uh, how much grams of fat you are, if you have a higher percentage of fat, you're in a calorie deficit. If you're in a calorie deficit, you're causing physiological stress and your calories are low enough to where that's going to affect your hormones because calories play a bigger hit on hormones than anything else. Um, and even carbohydrates have a good effect on hormones. So if you go super low carb, but you have your fats in, you, you might still have some thyroid or metabolism or cortisol issues. So there's a lot of things that can happen. And I think that fats are important to be aware of and fats are important to be knowledgeable about when it comes to hormonal health. But I think people glorify it and they forget that overall calories and lifestyle stresses are just as, if not more important. Um, so for me, I, I am on a lower fat, higher carb, higher protein approach. And I think, I think our goal is to basically just increase my calories via carbohydrates until I 
<laughs> kind of reach my potential, my limit of how much I can eat and how much I can gain. Um, and we'll probably up protein a little bit. I suspect I can't speak for him, uh, my coach, but typically what I like to do is as I increase somebody's carbs on a bulk, I will slightly increase their protein. So maybe I add five grams of protein every 25 grams of carbs. Um, so it's not much, but that extra just allows them to continue getting enough protein via meat, uh, dairy, whey protein, eggs, stuff like that, because those are very high leucine and bioavailable sources of protein, whereas veggies, yams, rice, oats, things like that, which do have trace proteins in it and, and nuts and things like that, they're not going to contribute to an anabolic muscle growth very much. So getting too much protein from those sources probably isn't our best bet. Uh, which is why I like increasing slightly while increasing carbs to make sure that we're getting enough of that bioavailable protein at the same time. Um, but yeah, so so for macros in general, for people, I, I usually recommend consuming about 20% of your calories from fat or 0.3 to 0.4 grams per pound of body weight at your maintenance or leanest level. So for me, I would calculate that fat before I started the gains because if I increase my carbs and I start gaining and I gain th- four pounds in a month, four pounds next month, I don't need to calculate my fat off of my bulk weight. I need to calculate my fat off my more lean maintaining, lean maintenance weight, essentially. Um, And then protein is going to be anywhere between one to 1.2 grams per pound. Um, Even though we don't need more than a gram per pound of protein, especially not in a bulk because we're in a caloric surplus, I personally like it because I think it allows us to maximize muscle protein synthesis and I think it provides more satiety, um, a better thermic effect food, so we're maintaining a high caloric expenditure. But I also believe that it allows us to avoid too much of our calories and, sorry, too much of our protein coming from trace sources like nuts, grains, sweet potatoes, veggies, rice, stuff like that. Um, Next, nutrient timing. Does it matter in a bulk? Nutrient timing does matter, but not nearly as much as it does during a cut because nutrient timing is something we utilize to maximize performance, maximize recovery, and maximize muscle maintenance. So during a cut, I think nutrient timing is very, very important. Um, It can also be a play a big role in how many calories you burn per day. Because as we know, with some of the latest chrononutrition research coming out, if we partition most of our calories in the morning, we can actually burn more calories throughout the day at a higher caloric intake. So we might be able to cut on less cal- or, or more calories, I should say, or maintain on, on more calories um, if we are putting more of our calories in the morning. Um, that's not always the best bet for adherence purposes for some individuals, but if it doesn't affect adherence poorly, I think that's a good strategy. Um, so that's one reason why nutrient timing plays a role. And that also influences our circadian rhythm and ability to sleep, which is another reason nutrient timing is important. Um, if we look at how to maintain muscle in a cut, the best way to do so is eating enough protein frequently enough, nutrient timing, and making sure that we can train hard in the gym to cr- keep muscle protein synthesis from that sense high as possible to maintain muscle mass Nutrient timing supports performance. That's going to lead to a better maintenance of muscle from the gym as well um, and recovery post-workout being a a part of nutrient timing as well, which contributes to muscle growth, cortisol management, so on and so forth. Um, So I think it does play a role. Now, the, the caveat here is that when you're in a surplus, you almost always have nutrients floating around your bloodstream. So you're always going to have protein. You're always going to have amino acids. You're always going to have glycogen. You're always going to have plenty of calories. Um, to go around that it's not as important as when you're in a cut. When you're in a cut, food is scarce. You're in a caloric deficit. You do not have as many calories, which means that we need to, to use all of our tools in order to maximize performance, recovery, metabolism, and fat loss. Nutrient timing is a big player in that. Um, but when we're in a 
bulk, it's just not as important because at the end of the day, you always have readily available nutrients to help you perform, recover, and build. I still believe it's important. If you don't mind managing it and focusing on it, if you're into this stuff like I am, I think it's important because I feel tremendously better when I eat a certain meal at a certain time prior to my workout. If I have intra-workout carbs, if I'm eating right after my workout, um, if I set up my meals in a fashion that are repeatable and it gives me a routine, um, it, it allows my energy to be better. It allows my motivation and my adherence to be better because just from a perception standpoint, I feel like I'm more in the game. I feel like I'm being more productive. I'm staying more mo- motivated and ambitious to continually do this day after day. Um, and then obviously my energy in the gym is better. And if my energy in the gym is better, my performance is going to increase and that's going to allow more volume to happen during that session because I'm lifting heavier weights. That's going to contribute to muscle growth. So although if we look at the research in theory, um, it might not matter. I would say anecdotally, I think it matters greatly and I think it can be the difference um, in somebody's adherence, motivation, and performance levels that allows them to gain more size. And we might not be able to show this in a four or eight week study, but I think if you do this for six months straight during a bulk, I think it's going to play a big big role in in making sure that you see better results. Um, Next is supplements. I think that supplements aren't, again, as important when we're in a in a surplus. So things like a multivitamin, a greens drink, uh, pre-workout, things like that are more and more important because the less calories we have, the less energy we have and the less micronutrients we have coming in from our food. So therefore a multivitamin is important. And we have to remember that when we cut, we are losing body fat and we are often doing cardio, sweating, training, sweating, drinking a lot of water, urinating. We are depleting ourselves of fat soluble vitamins because we're losing fat and we're and potentially eating less fat because we're in a deficit. And we are losing water-soluble vitamins, depleting ourselves there because we are drinking a ton of water and sweating and peeing a ton. So it's important to have a multivitamin and really micronutrient-dense foods. When we're in a surplus, it's not as big of a risk. However, I still think it's important. So the supplementation I'm taking is, number one, fish oil. I don't think fish oil ever has a reason to leave somebody's diet. Most people don't eat enough fatty fish. And the benefits of EPA and DHA just keep growing as time goes on, and we learn more and more about it. So I highly recommend everybody takes a fish oil because it's going to aid in better um, health, metabolism, joint inflammation, uh, and so much more. There's even some studies that um, alluded to potentially improving muscle protein synthesis um, through an indirect pathway. Uh, There's not a ton of research on that because that's not a main focus for fish oil, but it is there. So the point is, is fish oil is is something that never leaves. Creatine monohydrate, something that never leaves. Shout out to Creapure, one of our sponsors of the podcast. Um, And I do highly, and and the cool thing about them is I've been recommending creatine with Creapure for the last eight plus years. So it's not, this isn't something new. Um, And then, so creatine, five grams per day, every day. Um, Multivitamin, I still take because it's kind of like an insurance policy. Why not take it? Um, So I'm still taking a a multivitamin no matter what, just just to double down and make sure my health and immune system is strong while I'm increasing training volume because as we know, a ton of training volume and really pushing yourself in the gym does wear on your immune system. So you have to keep that strong too. Um, I use legions multivitamin for that because I think it's it's one of the best on the market. Um, let's see, pre-workout. I still do pre-workout. I use top-notch nutrition. I don't think it's, you don't need it, um, but I do like it. Um, and that's about it for supplementation. I think maybe highly branched cyclic dextrin uh, is, is, is a route that you could take too um, if you feel the need. But most people will have enough carbohydrates and fuel in their body and in their system in order to uh, 
continually improve. You, you're, you're probably consuming enough carbohydrates to make sure that you're building muscle. Um, so that's kind of like a, a, one of those things that some people love it, some people don't. There are some research studies that show taking EAAs, essential amino acids, and highly branched cyclic dextrin during a workout will potentially lead to better results and, and more muscle growth. Um, but again, if you're in a surplus, it's probably not the most necessary thing. And if you'd rather spend that, those calories on food, be my guest. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but supplements aren't going to be the top priority when it comes to bulking training, training and cardio is the last things we're going to cover today. So for cardio, this will be pretty easy. Do I think you need to do it? No. Um, I don't think you do need to do it. However, I think you should incorporate walks into your day or some kind of conditioning. If you can, if you have enough time during the week, because, um, there is a lot of benefits from a cardiovascular and just energy systems perspective. And if we improve our energy systems, and that means the oxidative system, the anaerobic system, the ATP, PC system, the glycolytic system, all these different energy pathways, if we can improve those things, we're most likely going to build muscle faster because we can recover faster between reps, sets, uh, days in the gym, so on and so forth. Um, add to that, if we can, if we can, uh, do the, the cardio bouts and everything like that too, we are improving our ability to utilize energy in our body, which means that our body's ability to basically take the substrates that we eat and turn it into fuel improves as well. Um, and for training, I, I this isn't going to be, a lo- we're not going to go into training too much on this because I think you would have to have a specific program. So first and foremost, I would highly suggest you you get a program, get uh, the Built For You ebook, join the tailored trainer, find a program online, hire a coach, do something where somebody comes in and they make sure that they're calculating your volume, they're doing the work for you, they're building in pro- progressions for you. Um, and then you can carry on from there. But in general, there's just like some staple things. You should be hitting every muscle group two to three times per week. Um, you should be somewhere in the MAV to MRV range, the maximum adaptive to a maximum recoverable volume, which is typically going to be anywhere between 10 to 20 sets per week per muscle group for most people. Um, making sure that you're not overdoing sets per muscle group per session. Uh, most research shows anything above eight to 10 sets in a, on a single muscle group and a single session is just overkill. And you will actually start to see diminishing returns because muscle protein synthesis and hormonal levels start to decline, cortisol goes up. So I wouldn't recommend doing more than eight to 10 sets per muscle group per week, or I'm sorry, per session. Um, And then after that, it's just finding a split that allows you to organize this volume in a way that you can adhere to and have fun with. Upper lower splits work great. You can do those four days or six days a week. Uh, Up upper lower push pull legs works, or you can just do a push pull legs, push pull legs split. Um, Those are probably my top three, upper lower, upper lower push pull legs or just a straight push pull legs two times through every week. Five to six days a week in the gym I think is most optimal for most people because to get enough volume to grow and utilize the surplus that you're putting yourself in, I think you need to be in the gym five to six days a week in order to maximize your potential in the gym, uh, maximize your potential with volume. Um, and at the end of the day, volume really is the key driver in hypertrophy. It doesn't mean that you should stop doing low rep strength training. I think all reps contribute to hypertrophy and I think it's smart to have about two-thirds of your training volume being eight plus reps. And I think one third of it being less than eight reps. So you're still doing some sets of three, five, six, seven, but most of your training is going to be in the eights, tens, twelves, fifteens, and sometimes even the twenties. Um, in general, we're staying in that five to 15 rep range. That kind of caps it out for the, the ultimate hypertrophy guide, the, the ultimate bulking guide, if you will. I think if you want to effectively bulk over time, you need to be ready to add some weight. You need to be ready to watch the scale grow up. I think you should hire a coach if you're not comfortable with that, which I'll openly admit that I'm not. It's hard for me to see the scale go up and not 
see something different in the mirror because our mind plays tricks on us. But I think it's important for people to spend time bulking because there's phases of dieting that we need to incorporate in order to get the most out of our physique over time. And this is one of those phases. It's the bulking phase. And if you want to do it effectively, this is exactly how you do it. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.